It's just this is the truth. Um, imperfect. Only imperfect people are allowed for this sermon series. So welcome today. If you feel like you are imperfect, you are among other people who feel the same way. Imperfect. Um, struggling. Uh, have issues in their life. And sometimes we think that those issues are only our issues, but when we really open up and, and get to know other people, we realize, man, there are other people that are having the same issues, uh, struggles, an imperfect life. Maybe things in your life didn't happen exactly the way you thought they'd happen. Uh, your plans that you have for your life didn't really pan out the way you thought they were going to pan out. Today, we're going to be in our sixth week in our study in the life of Moses. And the title of today's sermon that I think will resonate with some of us is simply The Struggle Bus to Sinai. The Struggle Bus to Sinai. How many of you have ever been on a struggle bus before? Raise your hand. Struggle bus is all, they're, they're everywhere. How many of you have ever felt like you are driving the, shuttle, the struggle bus, right? Like I'm the captain of the struggle bus. Hop on if you dare, right? That's, a, that's the way we think sometimes. But if you remember last week, we spoke of the incredible miracle uh, that God did in the children of Israel and the history of, their, of the children of Israel as they faced an impossibility. They faced an enemy on, the, on one hand and they faced an impassable sea on the other hand. And God came through again. God came through again. And I don't know about you, but as they did in Exodus chapter 15, in the beginning portions of Exodus chapter 15, they sang a song of praise and they worshiped Jesus and gave him all the glory, the song of Moses, and they worshiped him after the great victory in crossing the Red Sea and seeing the Egyptians, their enemies, annihilated. And there was a great victory there and they worshiped Jesus and rightfully so. And by the way, we should never experience victories in our lives without responding in worship and praise. That ought to be something that comes naturally. Hey, listen, you get that new job, by the way, hey, you give God, you give God the praise. Um, by the way, we're running today without Justin Sykes, and I'm not sure how we're actually here today, but we are. Um, shout out to Justin. He'll probably watch this later. Shout out to Joey and, and uh, Keith, man, Keith's pulling the bass, and then he's back there, and Sherry, all of them, uh, they're killing it today. Um, but Justin's starting a new job, too, and we got people in our, in our church that, man, God's with us. May we never be given opportunities by God and not return praise. And not return praise in the children of Israel to their credit. That is exactly what happened as we concluded last week's sermon. But I want us to see number one today in our sermon as we dive into the struggle bus to Sinai. I want us to see first of all the complaining in the wilderness. Complaining in the wilderness. God had just performed what would become one of the most popular miracles in biblical recorded history in the parting of the Red Sea and the walking across on the dry land? An incredible miracle. And they hadn't as much got to the other side of the Red Sea, had a praise break, as we said last week, but then they're back to complaining. It's almost as if there's a cycle. If you're in the connect groups, there's a cycle in the book of Judges. It's almost as if there's a cycle in the Old Testament. Hey, it's almost as if there's a cycle in the New Testament. It's almost as if there's a cycle in our lives. God comes through. We ride high. We forget. 
we begin to neglect our time with God. We begin to murmur and gripe and complain. God sends some wake-up calls in our lives. We turn back to him. He shows us grace. He shows us mercy. We're riding high. We give him glory. We forget. Is that not the cycle of the life of a believer oftentimes? And sure enough, we find the children of Israel complaining once again in the wilderness. Let's look at Exodus chapter 15. Look at verse 22. Verse 22 in Exodus chapter 15. So Moses brought Israel from the Red Sea. Then they went out into the wilderness of Shur, and they went three days in the wilderness and found no water. Now when they came to Marah, they could not drink the waters of Marah, for they were bitter. Therefore the name of it was called Marah. And the people complained against Moses, saying, What shall we drink? So he cried out to the Lord, and the Lord showed him a tree. When he cast it into the waters, the waters were made sweet. There he made a a statute and ordinance for them. And there he tested them and said, If you diligently heed the voice of the Lord your God and do what is right in his sight, give ear to his commandments and keep all his statutes, I will put none of the diseases on you which I have brought on the Egyptians, for I am the Lord who heals you. I I think of this, and and, and for some reason, just in my mind, I think of personal illustrations. How many of you have ever gone to uh, Chick-fil-A or McDonald's or Bojangles? It's really the only three places that I can think of right now. And you've ordered a sweet tea. Raise your hand, you ordered a sweet tea. You got that dollar. I'll tell you what, but you can't beat the dollar sweet tea at at McDonald's. I'm just going to let you know. You get that sweet tea, and how many of you have gone, you've put your straw in there, and you're like, man, I'm thirsty. And you've taken a big old gulp of that sweet tea, and what is it? unsweet i'm not gonna ask you what you said uh when that happened either what you actually verbally said or what you said in your head right or 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 just as bad as when you go and and you you get sprite and you're like oh man i'm gonna get sprite and it's like this is gonna be great and you have no idea you take a big old gulp of that sprite and all the syrup was gone it is just carbonated water you know the children of israel here find themselves three days without water and when they do find water, the water's bitter. Some of y'all people like just carbonated water. That's, I'm not, we're going to have a special prayer for you at the end. Uh, <laughs> but imagine thinking, I'm going to get my favorite water, Fiji water. When the Lord makes me rich one day, that's all I'm going to drink. Fiji water. When we get to heaven, I'm going to be like, Lord, I only have one request. Fiji water. How many of you have Fiji water before? Man, that stuff... I don't, you're like, how does it taste different than other ones? I don't know. I don't know why or how. It just does. And man, I'm thinking I'm going to get Fiji water on the children of Israel. I can't wait. This Fiji stream of Fiji water has come out. And man, they taste it and it's just bitter. It's disgusting. It's salty. And they immediately go, keep in mind, the God they serve just took water and completely made two massive walls on the side of the Red Sea, and made the, the ground dry for them to walk through. And this water's bitter. And instead of saying, hey, God, I've seen you move the mountains, literally the water mountains, and I believe you can do it again. Instead of saying, God, I, I've seen you do it, you can do it, they complained. But it didn't stop there. It didn't stop there. They were found to be hungry in Exodus chapter 16, and they murmured and complained 
against Moses and Aaron yet again. And we'll, we'll get to some details about that in just a second. But if, in case we needed more complaining. So they needed water and they complained. They needed food and they complained. In chapter 17, they found themselves again without water. Look at Exodus chapter 17. In the first verse, then all the congregation of the children of Israel set out on their journey from the wilderness of sin. Hey, come on now. According to the, if, back in my previous life, I would have just come up with a sermon about that, the wilderness of sin, and I would have talked to you about how, why you need to get out of the wilderness of sin. Anyway, uh, according to the commandment of the Lord, and camped in Rephidim, but there was no water for the people to drink. Therefore, the people contended with Moses, said, give us water that we may drink. So Moses said to them, why do you contend with me? Why do you tempt the Lord? And the people thirsted there for water, and the people complained against Moses. And said, why is it you have brought us up out of Egypt to kill us and our children and our livestock with thirst? So Moses cried out to the Lord, saying, what shall I do with this people? They're almost ready to stone me. The Lord said to Moses, go on before the people and take with you some of the elders of Israel, and take in your hand your rod uh, with which you struck the river and go, behold, I will stand before you there on the rock in Horeb and you shall strike the rock and water will come out of it that the people may drink. I don't know about you this morning, but I look back at the children of Israel, if I'm not careful, with frustration. Don't you guys know? And don't you get it? And don't you understand? And if we read it through the lens of our perspective and the lens of our 2020 vision in 2020, right, hindsight, if we look back on it, it's very easy to oftentimes get frustrated with people in the Bible. How many times, I, you know, most frustrating person in the Bible, Eve. Eve, just don't eat the fruit. And we get so frustrated However, I hope we can put ourselves a little bit more in understanding in their shoes. They're out here in the wilderness. It seems like everywhere they turn, there's another problem. I need water. I need food. I need water. This morning, I want to ask us to do some real introspection. Do we find ourselves oftentimes discontented and complaining about the situations that God allows to happen in our lives? Do we find ourselves oftentimes in a moment of crying out and complaint when we know that God is bigger than our problems and we know that God is bigger than the issues that are facing us at the moment. But in our flesh, we cry out to God, sometimes in anger. We cry out to God in complaining. You see, the children of Israel, and we'll find this out throughout their 40 years of, of wandering in the wilderness, is that they become professional complainers. And lest we look down on them, may we look inside and ask ourselves, have we become professional, spiritual complainers? Well, God, I, 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 I put in for that, uh, that raise. I put in for that promotion. I didn't get it again. God, I've, I've prayed for my children, and it seems like my children are worse now than when I started praying for them. God, I ask you to take control of, of my anger in my life. And God, guess what? In the last three weeks, I've completely lost it more than I ever have in my life. And God, I've begged you and I've asked you. And complain and complain and complain. 
And if we're not careful, we want to fit God into our box. We want to fit God into our, our planner. We want to fit God into our, our watches. We want to fit God into this, this perfect version of ourselves. And we want to tell God how he has to move and how, he's to, how he has to come through in our lives. When God's ways are higher than our ways and it's, it's higher than your ways. And God comes through every time for the children of Israel, but he comes through in different ways they expected. We've seen the complaining in the wilderness, and I want us to never lose sight of, secondly, Christ in the wilderness. We see the children of Israel complaining in the wilderness, but I want us to see Christ in the wilderness. I won't have you turn there, but Matthew chapter 4 provides us the details of Jesus as he conquered the 40 days in the wilderness. The power that he showed. Do you remember what he specifically resisted in that temptation? What's the first thing he was tempted with? Bread. Children of Israel are in the wilderness and they're crying out for, for bread. For bread. Jesus showed that he is the better and the greater Israel who passed through the wilderness triumphantly. Triumphantly. What about in John chapter 6 when Jesus had just fed the 5,000 and the people wanted to follow him for more food? He had just fed the 5,000. And look at John chapter 6 and verse 26. Jesus answered them and said, Most assuredly, I say to you, you seek me not because you saw the signs, but because you ate of the loaves and were filled. Do not labor for the food which perishes, but for the food which endures to everlasting life which the Son of Man will give you, because God the Father has set his seal on him. Not only did Jesus show his power over the bread of the earth, but he called himself the bread of life. Children of Israel needed bread, and, and God sent them bread. But Jesus, in John chapter 6 and verse 34, then they said to him, Lord, give us this bread always. And Jesus said to them, I am the bread of life. He who comes to me shall never hunger, and he who believes in me shall never thirst. You see, the children of Israel were lacking food, and God sent food, but Jesus came, and he said, I'm the bread of life. I'm the bread of life. Listen, I go so far past your physical needs, and I'm there in your spiritual need. You will never hunger. Uh, Oh, what about the lack of water, Josh? That was two out of the three complaints. The lack of water. Jesus was the rock who was struck for our salvation. According to 1 Corinthians 10. I'm not going to turn there this morning. 1 Corinthians 10, he was the rock. He's the living water. Once you've had a drink, you will never thirst again. He made the claim that I am the living water. I am the bread of life. You see, the children of Israel were facing problems in the wilderness and they were complaining in the wilderness but what they did not know is that God was merely setting the stage for Christ to show himself to be the ultimate savior for Christ to come and to be the power over bread and the power over water the bread of life will never hunger the living water and will never thirst and by the way the book of Hebrews really uh uh, pinpoints this, but Jesus is always the greater than. The greater than, and we see him greater than the water and greater than the bread. 
So we had complaining in the wilderness, and we want to see Christ in the wilderness. But thirdly, as we bring this together this morning, lessons from the wilderness. Lessons from the wilderness that we can learn from today. First off, I want us to see that frustrations with God often reveal themselves in our interactions with others. Frustrations with God often reveal themselves in our interactions with others. Exodus chapter 16 and verse 2, then the whole congregation of the children of Israel complained against God. No. Complained against Moses and Aaron in the wilderness. The children of Israel said to them, Oh, that we had died by the hand of the Lord in the land of Egypt. We sat by the pots of meat when we ate bread to the full. For you have brought us out into this wilderness to kill this whole assembly with hunger. Exodus chapter 16 and verse 7. In the morning you shall see the glory of the Lord, for he hears your complaints against the Lord. Moses and Aaron say, But what are we that you complain against us? You see, the people had a spiritual problem with their creator God, period. But how did that problem display itself, humanly speaking? They had issues with Moses and with Aaron. They cried out against Moses and Aaron. They were the, they were the, the tangible, physical presence that the children of Israel could basically lash out against. And may I say this this morning that I believe oftentimes in our lives when we have conflict with other people, all it is is a real manifestation of our inner conflict with with God. Oftentimes the the relationship problems that we're having or the, the problems that we're having horizontally is merely a way of displaying the problems that we're really having vertically. Hey, I'll just say this. I have yet to meet a couple that's going through issues this way who both were like, man, my relationship this way is just great. I've yet, that, they may exist. I've yet to meet them. I've yet to meet the person that's like, my marriage is perfect. I mean, my marriage is struggling, but man, my relationship with God is perfect. I've yet to meet that person. And so oftentimes, we see that people lash out to the tangible, to the physical, when their problem is spiritual. And they lash out horizontally when their problem is vertically. But our second lesson this morning, first lesson is frustrations with God often reveal themselves in our interactions with others. But our second lesson this morning, a healthy relationship with God calls for us to go to him with our complaints, our frustrations, and our fears. A healthy relationship with God calls for us to go to him with our complaints, our frustrations, and our fears. The children of Israel had problems. And who did they go to? Moses and Aaron. Okay, so now the ball's in Moses' court. Moses has a problem. And look at Exodus 15 and verse 23. Now when they came to Marah, they could not drink the waters of Marah, for they were bitter. Therefore the name of it was called Marah, and the people complained against Moses saying, what shall we drink? So here, now it's Moses' problem. And look at verse 25, what does Moses do? Look at it. So he cried out to the Lord. And the Lord showed him a tree. When he cast it into the waters, the waters were made sweet. You see, Moses was presented a problem. 
and he let his petitions and his cries and his prayers be to the Lord. God, I've got a problem. Please solve it. God, I've got a problem. Please solve. Uh, in, in the verses that we read in Exodus 16 regarding the, the hungry complaining against Moses and Aaron, look how Moses handles that one in Exodus chapter 16 and verse 4. Then the Lord said to Moses, Behold, I will rain bread from heaven for you, uh, and the people shall go out and gather a certain quota every day, that I may test them whether they will walk in my law or not. And it shall be on the sixth day that they shall prepare what they bring in, and it shall be twice as much as they gather daily. Moses immediately goes to God in dialogue over the problem that he was presented by the children of Israel. He immediately goes to God. And you'll see this over and over and over and over again. Moses is presented a problem from the children of Israel, and his first step is to take it to the Lord. And, and by the way, uh, God should not be your last resort. God should be your first line of defense. Hear me this morning? God should not be your last resort. He should be your first line of defense. And so often we're like, hey, when all else fails, give it to God. Hey, when you've done everything you can, just turn it over to him. That's horrible theology. It sounds like a good southern gospel song or something, but it's terrible theology. It's terrible theology. Hey, when you've done all you can, just let, let it over to God. Now, how about this? Before you do anything, give it to God. Before you do anything, give it to God. And watch him move. Hey, what was it last week? Uh, stand still and see the salvation of the Lord. Hey, before you move, chill. Before you move, give it to God. Give it to God. Whatever your problem is this morning, Christian, whatever your problem is this morning, unbeliever, listen, whatever problem, if you're an unbeliever this morning, whatever problem you think you have, you don't even know the, the half of it. You have a real problem, and it needs to be taken to God. And that is a relationship with his son, Jesus. Whatever it is this morning, whatever your problems are, uh, whatever, wh whatever your need is this morning, understand that a healthy relationship with God calls for you to go to him with your complaints and your frustrations and your fears. By the way, it's a mark of a healthy Christian, if I can say that. Facebook shouldn't know about your problems before your God knows about them. Sorry. Um, uh, I mean, if we, wouldn't, we wouldn't chuckle if it wasn't true, right? We see it in other people's lives, I'm sure. Hey, listen, truthfully, your spouse shouldn't know about it before God does. The closest people to you on this earth shouldn't know about it before God does. He should be your first line of defense. He should be your first line of defense. How, Josh, churches seem to gossip a lot. Well, I, I tell you what. Let's take everything to God first, and then if God tells you to gossip to someone else, go right ahead. Take it to God first. God, would you have me gossip? I think I know what he's going to tell you. Take it first. First. It's our first plan of action. It's our first line of defense. And Moses shows this over and over and over again in the wilderness. Problems facing him. Go to God. Problems facing him, go to God. Problems facing him, go to God. This morning, you can choose to handle your problems like the children of Israel did and find somebody here to have your issue with. 
Or you can be honest. And you can say, no, the problem is right here. The problem is, the problem is right here. Thirdly, this morning, our lessons from the wilderness. Sometimes God answers our desire for bread from this earth with bread from heaven. We didn't read the entire text today, but I took for granted that you would remember and kind of think back and remember the manna passage. God giving manna. God gave them an upgrade. In Psalm 78, the psalmist calls manna the bread of angels. I'll have that. It's got to be the, it could, that could be the breadsticks from Olive Garden. There's a possibility. I've, I haven't studied it all the way through, but there's a chance that it could be the breadsticks from Olive Garden. This bread-like substance was bread and, and then some. It was, it was tasty. It was, man, in fact, it couldn't even really be described. They would taste it. They couldn't even, they couldn't even put into words what they were tasting. All they wanted was bread from the earth, and he gave them bread from heaven, and he didn't stop there. Remember, this is God. He doesn't just meet your needs. What did he also give them? He gave them meat. Praise the Lord. He gave them meat. He gave them quail. Chapter 16, we're not going to read it in verses 11 through 13. It shows us that God not only gave them bread, but he met their need with meat, with quail. God came through above and beyond another time. Yet again. Sometimes God will give you the desire that you have is bread from this earth, but God will give you bread from heaven. And I'm not trying to just be shallow this morning. But man, I just want, God, you hear my feeble requests. God, I don't even know how to pray sometimes. And I, I know I'm asking you for like bread from this earth. God, but I really, you know my desire in my heart. Holy Spirit, intercede. I want bread from heaven. I want something that I've never experienced before. And God, I don't know how even how to word it in my prayer, but I've got a problem facing the issue. And God, I think this is what I need, but God, you know better than me. God, give me bread from heaven. Give me bread from heaven. And lastly this morning, God never wastes an opportunity to guide us spiritually. Every problem the children of Israel face so far has been a tangible, seen problem. Egyptians, Red Sea, we got problems. We're thirsty, three days with no water, we need water. We're hungry, we need bread. We need water again. So far, everything has been somewhat of a physical need. But in Deuteronomy chapter 8, it's, uh, it's, it's kind of looking back on this. And kind of telling the story. In Deuteronomy chapter 8, he says, So he humbled you, allowed you to hunger, and fed you with manna, which you did not know, nor did your fathers know. So he gave you the physical need that you have, that he might make you know that man shall not live by bread alone, but man lives by every word that proceeds from the mouth of the Lord. You see, the lesson was so much bigger than, I'm hungry. Okay, here's some food. God was teaching his people the spiritual side. He was teaching his people spiritual lessons. During the manna, he taught them of the importance of the Sabbath. And here in Deuteronomy, it is written that he was also teaching the people the value and importance of the word of God. 
of God's words. You see, you may think you have a certain type of need, but I promise you, rest assured, God is always trying to teach you a spiritual lesson. Whatever your need is this morning, it might be a financial need today. Rest assured, God's trying to teach you a, financial, uh, a, a spiritual lesson. Your need this morning may be a relationship issue that you have here on this earth, a, a horizontal issue. But I promise you, God is trying to speak to you in the spiritual. He never met a physical need without meeting a spiritual need. By the way, that's also flipped around nine times out of ten. He never met a spiritual need without also meeting a physical need. And we need to make sure we understand that as well. But God never wastes an opportunity to guide us spiritually. You say, I don't know what the end result is. I don't know why my struggle is this way. I don't know why things are happening like this in my life right now. I can't tell you the answer to that question, but I can tell you this. God is trying to lead you and guide you spiritually. You say, well, it'd be nice if I kept my job and didn't get laid off. He's trying to guide you. Maybe he's leading you to depend on him more. Well, he knows my bills. He knows my, he knows my outgo and he knows my income. I'm not sure why. Maybe he's trying to teach you something spiritually. Spiritually. You see, the children of Israel were just thirsty and hungry. They were thirsty and hungry. But God was trying to teach them so much more. So much more. God never wastes an opportunity to guide us spiritually. And maybe that's where you're at today. Maybe there's problems that have been facing your life and there are issues that you have been dealing with. And God has been trying to teach you a spiritual lesson and you've yet to acknowledge it. You've yet to allow the Holy Spirit of God to work in your life to illuminate the spiritual need. Today, maybe you need to come before God and say, God, these issues and problems that we're facing in our lives that aren't seeming to get any better, God, I'm here. I'm teachable. God, teach me. I didn't think in my head that it was a spiritual issue, but God, teach me spiritually. Guide me spiritually. I thought I just needed bread. No, I needed the bread of life. I I thought I just needed water from a bitter brook. No, you needed the living water so you'd never thirst again. But God, I I thought we just needed bread. No, no, no. You needed meat as well. Now, God's always doing more, and God's always working in ways that we don't comprehend. Maybe today... You're facing all these needs and you're facing all these issues in your life. You come to grips with the fact that you just don't have a relationship with your creator. And, and the whole story of the Bible is that God created man and woman and the beasts of the field and all that we have here for his glory and for his pleasure. As I kind of joked about earlier, man, Eve, Adam and Eve, you've all heard the story. But they sinned and from that time forward, according to Romans chapter 5, uh, because of Adam's sin, we've been born sinners. You talk about problems. That's a problem. I mean, I didn't have to do anything. I didn't have to teach my daughters how to sin. They were good at it. <laughs> Professionals. 
We're born with a sin nature. That's a problem. But God knew. And from Genesis chapter 3, as early as Genesis chapter 3, we see pictures of the gospel constantly and constantly brought before our eyes. And we'll see them throughout our study in the life of Moses. But Jesus was coming. And Jesus came. He fulfilled all the law. He lived a perfect life. Never sinned. He died the death that you and I deserve to die as sinners. In fact, he didn't just die for us. The Bible says that he became our sin on the cross. So much so that God had to look away because he couldn't look on the sin. And he did that for you. He did that for me. You see, we talked about the children of Israel on the struggle bus to Sinai. Well, if you know this truth and you reject this truth, you're on the struggle bus much worse than Sinai. You're on the struggle bus to a place the Bible calls hell. I don't like saying that. But I believe, to be honest with you this morning, I must. But Jesus made a way. When he died on the cross, he made a way. When there was no way, he made a way. And that way is through him. I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man comes to the Father but by me. I am the door. If any will enter, it'll be through him. And listen, if you need spiritual guidance today, there's no better spiritual guidance than understanding that Jesus Christ loves you and wants to be your Savior. He wants to reconcile you to your Heavenly Father. It's a beautiful picture. I bring nothing to the table. God brought everything to the table through Jesus. And when I repent and believe and acknowledge and accept and surrender, man, the gospel comes into my life and the Holy Spirit comes and resides inside of me. It's an incredible thing. Thanks for listening today. If you're listening for the first time, we would love to hear from you. Maybe you have a question about the gospel of Jesus. If so, we'd like you to send us an email at hello at keystonerdu.church. If you're a regular listener to our podcast and you would like to donate to the media and outreach ministries at Keystone, your gift would allow us to do more in an effective way to get the gospel out. Thank you for partnering with us in ministry in Durham and around the world.